one of life's obstacles that you're going to have to figure out how to how to overcome again and again and again is best captured by the word fear. Everybody shout fear. Fear. Now, if you were with us last week, you know we started the journey of looking at the life of Moses as God calls him uh, to do this great work of liberation. The story actually starts in Exodus chapter 2 and by the time we get to Exodus chapter 3, Moses is found uh, up on a mountain, having been distracted by a bush that would not burn up. And so when he got, he went to see, take a closer look at the book, at the bush. And when he got there, to his shock and amazement, he heard the voice of God speak to him out of the bush. He said, Moses, Moses, he says, don't come any closer, pull off your shoes. The ground that you stand on is holy ground. And the Bible makes it absolutely clear that the overriding emotion, and by the way, this makes sense to me. I don't know what makes sense to you, but, but if I was walking in the woods somewhere and I saw a bush, and first of all, the bush was burning, it wasn't burning up, I might be curious to try to check it out. But then if this voice came out of it, Hermon, <laughs> I'd be tripping out. <laughs> Can somebody say fear? Fear, yes, fear. The voice of God came out and said to him, uh, uh, don't come and pull off your shoes. The ground you stand on is holy ground. Uh, and then verse 6 of chapter 3 of Exodus uh, says this, says that when, 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 when after God introduces God's self to Moses, says that Moses covered his face because he was what? Afraid. So the first thing we see here is that Moses is, 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 is afraid to, to look at God. That's what the verse tells us. He's afraid to see God. I want to suggest that there's a little parallel for those of us who are, are here in Silicon Valley in this generation. For some of us, we too are afraid to look at God. Now in that context, uh, the Old Testament taught us that if you, any person who saw God, uh, they would die. That's why he was afraid of looking at God. But for many of us, I think there's a kind of symbolic uh, meaning here. Uh, and it is simply this. Some of us are afraid to look at God, meaning we are afraid to acknowledge the existence of God. Because if we acknowledge the existence of God, we it will destroy our ability to keep on living life the way we live it. The God that showed up on that mountaintop is the same God who shows up for us in the one called Jesus. And there are three things that we know about the God that we encounter in Jesus that Moses is dealing with on the mountaintop. Number one, he's a God of love. Shout love. We love that. We love to hear about a God of love. He really is a God of unconditional love. You, you can't earn his love. He just loves you no matter what. And, and, and in as much as we want to believe in God, we like that definition of God. That's accessible. We want a God that loves us no matter what. But he's also a God of power. Shout power. Oh, and that's wonderful. We, we appreciate that about God because nobody wants a weak God. We, we all want a God that's involved in our lives so that when we come to that place where we need a door open that no one can open, when we need a way maker and a promise keeper like we just finished singing, we want a God who has the power to do that. We love talking about a God. Power. It's important to us. 
But it's impossible to come before the God of love and the God of power without also recognizing that because he is God, he's also the God of authority. Everybody shout authority. Well, that was pretty good. You got to do that a little better than a 30 because uh, we're not... We don't, we don't really like the word authority. So I say, I say, everybody shout love. They say love. I say, everybody shout power. It's power. Everybody shout authority. They say authority. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to talk about a God of authority because that's a God that we have to be accountable to. That's a, that's a God who, 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 uh, who, 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 who says things that we, we ultimately should comply with. That's a God we have to obey. That's a God that calls us into account. We don't want authority. Partly because there's been some folk who've had authority in our lives and they abused it, even in the name of God. So, so we get people who act in the name of God confused with God. But the best picture of God is in Jesus Christ. And I want to say to you that ultimately you will never live your best self. Until you're willing to submit your total life to the God of love, to the God of power, and to the God of authority. Authority. Shout fear. Moses was afraid to see God. Are you afraid to acknowledge him? Secondly, Moses was afraid to trust God. In the Bible, trust means obey. It means to set your daily agenda based on what God says. Trust. Shout trust. We see it in the biblical text as it shows up in a variety of ways. First of all, we see it in chapter 3, verse 11, as uh, the text, the narrator text uses the word protest. Say protest. Protest, protest. Verse 11, uh, after God says, I'm, 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 I'm calling you, I'm going to send you to Egypt. Talk to Pharaoh and bring the people out of sleep. And Moses in verse 11, it says, Moses protested to God. Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? He's, 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 he's saying, uh, uh, you need to get somebody else. I, I, I'm not the one. I just, for the last 40 years, I, mean, I forgot all my stuff. I grew up in, as an, an Egyptian and I know all that stuff, but I've forgotten that stuff. I'm 40. I'm 80 years old. Get somebody else. Protesting. He's, he's afraid to trust God. In verse uh, 13, he protests again. Here's, here's again in verse 13. He says, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors sent me, they're going to ask me your, your name. I don't even know your name. Who should I tell them? I mean, that's paramount to, to some of us today. Hearing God, even in this message, calling you to account, to follow, to pursue a God-given dream. And you're saying, no, God can't be calling me because, you know, last year I only went to church twice. And, 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 and when it comes to the Bible, I only know one verse and that's Jesus wept. And I don't even know where to find that at. I mean, I mean, God, there's gotta be somebody else. But God says, no, no, no. You're like everybody I chose. I, I call you out of your unawareness into a fresh awareness. So he protested. And then of course, Again, in chapter 4, verse 1, it says, again, Moses protested again. What if they don't believe me? What, what if, what, 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 what if they discount ultimately 
what I said. So this notion, I'm not sure I can trust you. I hear what you're saying. But when I consider what you're saying, I'm in a stable life. I'm in a peaceful life. I live a safe life. You asking me to disrupt the civility and stability of my life and do something risky and dangerous. Get somebody else. The third thing that Moses is afraid of, he's afraid to see God, he's afraid to trust God, but he's also afraid of his inadequacy. He feels that he's not good enough. In chapter 4, verse 10, as a matter of fact, here's how he states it. He, 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 and, he, and we use the word, he pleads with God. He really starting to beg God to find somebody else. He says, look, but Moses pleaded with the Lord. Oh, Lord, I'm not very good with words. I've never have been. Uh, and I'm not now. Even though you, you're in your great power speaking to me, I want to make it absolutely clear. I still get tongue-tied. My words get tangled. Some people say he, he stuttered. Here's what Moses is saying. And, and, and Moses now has stumbled into one of the hidden realities of living in Silicon Valley. Here's what Moses is saying. Moses is saying, I am not articulate enough to go stand before Pharaoh and convince him to let go 650,000 Jews who are at the very heart of his economic system. I'm not articulate enough. We kind of understand that, right? Because in our own way, probably at some point last week, or maybe yesterday, you heard yourself saying something like, I'm not articulate enough. I'm not tall enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not wealthy enough. I'm not credentialed enough. I'm not good enough. Rich people say it. Poor people say it. Educated people say it. Uneducated people say it. Democrats, Republicans. We all have this. Because Silicon Valley has this, this notion of comparison, right? You're always looking at somebody has got a little better, a little further, a little bit more. And, 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 and when it comes to career or parenting... There's that feeling deep inside for many of us. I'm not enough. Well, say it. I'm not enough. So, here's the first point where I want to teach you how to reset your courage. I'm not enough. We see this really appearing when you look at verse 10. Moses says, who am I to go and stand before Pharaoh to lead the people out of Egypt? And then God answers. There's a formula here. The next verse says, God answered, I will be with you. All right, so here's the formula. Here's how to reset. First thing you need to know to reset your courage for 2019. Watch this. I plus God equals enough. Come on, say it with me. Say it with me. Say I plus God equals enough. All right, uh, let's take another step. I want you to put your name in it. I'm, I'm Herman. Y'all call me PH, so I'm going to do it. I'm going to say PH. You just say your name. Say your name out loud. Sure. There you go. Good, 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 good. Yeah. And so, and so we're going to do this together. We're going to do it together. Just follow my lead. I'm going to say PH. You're going to say your name. Here we go. Ready, set, go. PH 
plus God equals enough. Can I just challenge you that when you wake up every morning for the, for the next seven days, get up there and wake up in the morning and say, Dan plus God equals enough. Come on, that Julie plus God equals. Remember who this God is. This is not just the God of your household. This is not just the God of the nation in which we live. He's not just the God of planet Earth. He's not just the God of our solar system. He's not just the God of our galaxy. This is the creator God of all creation. You plus God of creation equals enough. That's why he calls you. That's why you need to be in relationship with him. That's why you need to know him. He, that's, that's, that's why you want to learn how to lean on him. And this is the point of the gospel we find in Jesus who came and he died on Calvary's cross, paid a penalty for our sins and conquered death, got up. And he says to us, really, your faith plus Jesus' righteousness is enough. And Jesus, God says, as he thinks about your life, you're enough. Reset. I plus God equals enough. You see this? I'll just give you one wonderful example. Romans 8.31 says it like this. What shall we say in the face of all these wonderful things? If God be for us, who can be against us? I plus God equals enough. And we see it in Philippians chapter 4, right when Paul writes this, uh, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I plus God equals it. Wow. All right. So Moses overriding fear on that mountain, Moses overriding emotion on that mountain is fear. And the, and, and, and the one attribute that he's going to desperately need to access in order to push through that fear is courage. Everybody shout courage. So let me give you a definition of courage. It's a, I got it straight out of the dictionary. Lance, who was working with my notes earlier today, he says, this sounds like it came out of a dictionary. I said, because it came out of a dictionary. <laughs> I want you to see the definition of the dictionary. Courage, dictionary says, is the ability to do something that, say it with me, frightens one. Oh, isn't that amazing insight? Fear is a necessary condition for courage. You cannot be courageous unless you feel fear. Now, even if you're not a non-believer, let me just suggest this. Courageous involves faith. Faith involves courage. If you're a non-believer... And you exercise courage, that means you decide to move forward. Even though you're feeling afraid, it means you've got some faith somewhere. You either got, maybe it's not in God, maybe it's in yourself and your skills, maybe it's in your team. You, you have some faith in something that's invisible, something that's improbable, but it's enough to cause you to move forward in spite of the fear that you're feeling. Faith always involves courage. Biblical faith. Biblical faith is never about an intellectual sense. Biblical faith is, uh, is the ability to believe, therefore act, despite how I feel. So when the Bible talks about 
Do not be afraid or fear not, which happens hundreds of times through biblical scriptures. Uh, 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 the, the, let me just pause in and say the second thing you want to do now is to, is, to, is to change how you think about this phrase, do not be afraid. When you hear the phrase, do not be afraid, you automatically think that means that there ought to be some switch and you start looking in your pocket in your life somewhere for a switch to flip to turn the feelings of fear off. And if you can't find the switch to flip to turn the feelings of fear off, then you begin to feel like you have no faith. But I want to teach you today as you reset your courage, do not be afraid does not mean don't feel fear. Do not be afraid means feel the fear and be courageous. Feel the fear and summons your courage. Feel the fear and move forward anyhow. See, that's what courage is all about. That's right, somebody said, Joshua. One nine, that's absolutely right. Another place where we find uh, that, uh, there it is right there. This is my command, be strong and shout. Courageous. In other words, you're afraid, yes. Do not be afraid. Don't let that feeling stop you. Don't let it discourage you. For the Lord, your God is what? As long as I know God is with me, I can move forward. Right. Now let me just, here, here. so here's what I'm trying to get you to see. You've been diagnosed with cancer. They've laid out a path of treatments for you. Your situation is not necessarily improving. You wake up every morning feeling fear. And and that's when you start beating yourself up. If I was really a Christian, I wouldn't be afraid. No. You're human, aren't you? It's frightening material. Your faith is exercised in your ability to say, Lord, I am scared to death. But because I believe you're with me, I'm going to move forward. I'm going to engage. Come on. Uh, 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 It's a person who needs to go to the next level with that relationship. And you're able to say to God, God, I am scared to death. The last time I went down this road, I I got hurt. But because I believe you're with me, I'm going to take a step of faith. It's to apply for that that job. Uh, uh, And you're scared to death. That, 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 that you're not going to get it. Or you've gotten some news recently that your company may close and you're scared to death. And you're saying, God, I'm frightened. However, because I believe that you are with me, I'm going to be faithful. That's courage. Say courage. You can have fear and faith together. Somebody go, wow. I'm scared. God did not give us a spirit. James said, the, the better translation is of timidity. But of power. Of love. And what you, KJ's sound, mine, is really, is really translated self-control. The ability to still say, with trembling feet, I'm going to move forward. Shout courage. Second thing we have to do. Third thing we have to do if you're going to reset your, your courage. 
You got to know that you plus God is enough. That be not afraid does not mean don't feel fear. It means turn on the courage. Thirdly, reset your faith means you have to distinguish between what I call impulsive courage and faithful courage. Let me tell you what impulsive courage is. Impulsive courage is, uh, is, is to impulsively make a decision without counting the cost. Let me give you an example. I'm not going to use his name because he's a, he's a dear friend of mine back in my home state. And he's a very popular, uh, very wonderful pastor and preacher. And I have a lot of folk who watch this video. And so if I use his name, they go tell him. And I haven't told him I was going to tell the story. <laughs> so I'm just going to call him Jim. So me and Jim, we're about, I'm about 20, 21. And Jim has gotten a brand new Corvette. We're both young ministers. And I think we probably was on our way to church. I know we were talking about scripture, having a wonderful time. I'm enjoying riding in his brand new Corvette. He's driving. We're in the country, so we're driving down the red road. In the country, we don't have all these big multiple lanes like y'all have out here. They got, they got, they got a yellow line and you go down this side and everybody coming on the other way. Just, just like that. And, and, and if they have a double yellow line, that means don't pass. But did I tell you he had a brand new Corvette? And so we're driving and we're talking. I'm just chatting with him and having a good time. And then all of a sudden, man, he's been trying to get in the car in front. going about 50 miles out, which is in the country. It's pretty good. Uh, uh, and, 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 but he wants to get by. And the cars are coming, and the cars are coming, cars are coming. And then he, he looked through, man. The next thing I know, he said, he said, Herman, you think I can take it? The car's coming. And, and before I could figure out what to say, like, I don't think so. <laughs> next thing I know, he pumps it zoop and I didn't have any hair but my pores was opening <laughs> I was grabbing the holy lord have mercy Jesus <laughs> and he, he, he went from he went from 50 to 90 zoop and the car is coming right at us and just in the nick of time he just zoop my heart's coming out of my chest Now, that's what impulsive courage looks like. <laughs> it, it takes courage to go do that. That's impulsive. Let me give you another word. That's what dumb courage looks like. <laughs> I mean, he didn't count the cost. This is not a video game. If you don't make it, we dead. <laughs> what? <laughs> Come on. Moses protests because he's counted the cost. He knows he grew up in the royal house of Pharaoh. He knows how powerful Egypt is. He knows the power that Pharaoh has. He knows that anybody that's going to go and disrupt the economic system of Egypt is, is, will either end up in prison or dead. He knows the cost. That's why he's protesting and pleading. And when God calls you to pursue a God-given dream, it's all right to protest. And to plead and protest and plead as you count the cost. And then God so facilitates what I call faithful courage. Then he puts Moses in a position that Moses has to decide. So that's the other thing. You reset when... You distinguish between impulsive courage and faithful courage. 
And you reset your courage when you ultimately decide to decide. Make the decision. Verse 10. He says, Moses, I'm calling you to go take those people, lead them out of slavery. I'll be with you. And Moses come with multiple protests and pleading. And at the end of it all, God says, you're going to have to make a decision. This is a big deal. Because fear is robbing many of you of the future that God has for you. Some of you are so afraid to make the wrong decision that you will not make a decision at all. And so you are completely indecisive. Or you're a great procrastinator. You know, I often like to tease couples who've been dating and they not haven't gotten married. And you keep in mind, I, I, I'm in a different culture. My wife and I, we got married in 11 months. And once I figured out, my philosophy is once you figure out that's the one, then do life with them, right? Go ahead and make the decision. So I, I run in couples. I had a lot of fun with them. I said, well, how long y'all been dating? I said, six months, 11 months. That's great. Year, year and a half. Okay. What really gets exciting for me is when they say, oh, three years, six years, eight years, 10 years, 12 years. And I always, I, I get this curious look, 12 years, 10 years. What? What are you waiting on? And then I say, oh, you're trying to figure out, is this the one? You've been together five years, eight years, and you do not know whether this is the one. <laughs> I'm going to pray for you right now. <laughs> Usually in the side of that discussion, it's not always the case. Because sometimes the, the, the hole up is the lady. But oftentimes she looks at him. As though we've been having this discussion. So I look at him. And I say, what's up? And then after a little, let him squirm a little bit, and then I just let him off the hook. Because I don't want him to stop coming to church because I'm going to ask him if I get married. <laughs> but let me give you a little insight. I bet you nine times out of ten, at the bottom of that indecisiveness is fear. And if you could really get him to be honest, he would tell you that we've been together. It is not that I'm afraid she's not the one. It's I'm afraid I'm not the one. The woman who God has put a, a burden to write a book in you. And everybody's been telling you for three years, you ought to write that book. And you know that that's God speaking to you about writing the book. But you will not start writing the book. It's not because you can't schedule the time or find the time to write the book. It's fear. You are afraid that once the book is written, nobody will see value in buying it. You don't want that rejection. It's a person who's been in recovery for nine months, 11 months, alcohol or drugs, whatever the case is. And every time you hit that threshold, you, you undermine your addiction, you, you undermine your recovery and get right back in. It's not that you... You have suddenly forgotten the 12 steps that you've been following that has got you 9 months, 11 months down the road. It is suddenly you, you realize people are beginning to have expectations of you. 
And because you are afraid of letting people down, you've decided to undermine your recovery so that nobody will ever expect anything from you. Did you see how fear can stop you from adopting that child or raising your grandkids or getting married or launching that business? And yet, the answer to that fear is God says, I'm not going to tell you which decision to make, but every now and then he'll put you in a situation where you have to make a decision. And if you think I plus God equals enough, that I am scared to death, but I believe God is with me, then you take a step of courage. Here's the last point that, uh, that really, I want you to really lean in on this. Come on, tell the person next to you, lean in. Get this. In order to reset your courage, you got to know I plus God equals enough. You got to reprogram which, what you hear when you hear the words, be not afraid. You got to make a distinction between impulsive courage and faithful courage. You've got to decide. And decide. Stop being indecisive. Decide. And in order to decide, you've got to think differently about the word failure. Everybody say failure. It's right here, chapter 4, verse 1. This is what Moses is talking about. This is where we start off. This is where we end. This is all he's talking about. He's talking about, he's identifying and naming his failure. Exodus 4 and 1. Throw it up there. And actually what he was saying, what he's saying is this. Listen. But Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me? Or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? What Moses is saying is, what if I fail? That's what he's saying. Now here's something that's worth your showing up for church. A lot of you will not take a step of faith with God. Take a step of faith to pursue a God-given dream. Because you're so afraid, if I do... I might fail. All right, you got to change your thinking. All right, here, 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 here's a little insight. Every time you take a step to pursue a God-given dream, take a step. Thank you. I'm not going to fall, but I'm, I, I might illustrate it, but differently. Come on. <laughs> take a step <laughs> to go deeper in your relationship with God. Come on now. Every time you move towards success, it's not you might fail. You will fail. There is no substantive success without failure. Ask anybody who you admire successful. Athlete, ask Steph Curry. You know, that's my boy. He'll tell you, I didn't just get here. Come on now. He got, he's a list of failures that moved him towards where he is. Ask the actor, ask the business person, ask the educator, ask the parent, ask the folk that's been married for 40 years. They will tell you we've got a whole line of failures that ultimately produce what we have. Say it with me. There is no success without failure. Should I change how you think? If you're afraid of failing, you're not going to ever get out of your seat. You've got to understand that God uses failure as part of the laboratory to shape you into the person that he's calling you to be. 
Don't be afraid of failure. Embrace it. My daughter is learning to play basketball. She's on a basketball team under duress. So father, his father's telling her, making her play a little bit. She's good at so many things. I want her to be challenged by something. So I wanted to get a good teacher. So I decided to get Steph to coach her. So you may not know there's an app called the Master Class. And, and, and the Master Class, they got all these great people, all kinds of different things. Well, Steph has done a Master Class on how to play basketball, how to skills, you know. So we look at the Master Class. Teacher, come on now. And then we go out and practice. So Saturday it was raining and all of that. And her parents class, her uh, practice was canceled, but I say, your practice is canceled, but we can't cancel practice. Because <laughs> you need to practice. Come on now. So let's, let's get out on the court and rain and watch all the water and just get the ball and we're going to work on your drills. And here's a drill we're going to work on. Watch this. And we're going to work on, and you're going to shoot. And we're going to work on getting it through the net. And so she was, she, you know, she did what Steph says. You got to come up to your, to your neck, to the bottom, your legs, do some work. And you got to follow through. Come on now. And you got to get the arch on it. Y- y'all ain't listening. Oh, come on. And so she was doing it. I tell her. And, and the ball was hitting and bouncing off and hitting and bouncing, hitting and bouncing, hitting the ball, bouncing. I said, wait. Somebody shout failure. I said, I said, I said, I said, you're missing something. I said, the next time you shoot and it bounce, shout failure, make an adjustment. This is all right. So she sat and hit, and she she, she stepped over a little bit. She hit again. And then she uh, the arch she hit. It, and she stepped back hit again. And three misses, but each time she adjusted. She adjusted, and then finally, come on now, the fourth time, nothing but nets. And I say now the same action. She's again, nothing but net. I said same action. She nothing but nets. And, and and that's what God is trying to tell y'all. Stop being afraid that the ball's going to bounce off the net. Come on now. Now, now you all going to hit some failure. But whenever you fail, come on now. Make an adjustment. Don't just keep doing the same thing. Come on, adjust. Learn a little bit. Adjust. Learn a little bit. And God says, I'll work with you. You ain't listening. Come on. He says, he says, for God delights to be in every detail of our lives. And though we stumble, Psalms 37, we shall not fall because he's holding us by the right hand. In other words, come on, I keep adjusting. And sooner or later, when you shoot for the dream God has given you, you'll hear nothing but nets to the glory of God, to the praise of God. Shout hallelujah. Moses had to conclude. Here's what Brene Brown said, in case you don't believe me. The famous sociologist wrote this. There is no innovation and creativity without failure, period. Just be sure to remember, make the adjustment. Give God a hand, praise